thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Good morning, everyone. It is so good to connect with you on the first kind of full proper Sunday of 2022. I want to say a massive welcome to all of you in the room here in Hale Zoe and a big shout out to all of our guys in Hagley. Just kind of waiting for a cheer from you. Didn't come, okay. And from Rowley. And wherever or wherever you're watching this, you are so welcome. And I want to say a big shout out as well to our microsites in Cliberry Mortimer and in Bromsgrove. There are new additions to our kind of family during this whole COVID season. And we are really excited about what God is doing in the middle of which has been an incredibly difficult couple of years for all of us. And I think as we head into 2022, certainly the word on my, in my mind, and I think in a lot of people's mind, is the word uncertainty. And I spoke about that word a little bit last week, if you caught that um, uh, on, on, the, on our YouTube uh, thing that we sent out. But you know, I saw a Facebook post over the new year from someone in our church, and it's literally said this, and it really helped me to see it like this. And it said, 2018, unremarkable. 2019, unexpected. I'm not sure what that was for her. 2020, unprecedented. 2021, unsociable. 2022, uncertain. And I think it kind of sums up how many of us feel as we head in towards a new year. And research about uncertainty is really interesting because they reckon that um, uncertainty in your job is almost more damaging to your health than job loss itself. You see, uncertainty is connected to the unknown. And the oldest fear in human experience is the fear of the unknown. It's like uncertainty is like rocket fuel for anxiety and worry. And as we move into 2022, as we look at the situation around our world, and of course for, for, for us here at a church, we're very, very passionate about the mental health of everybody. But we, we've kind of got that an acute awareness that there's a whole generation of people, young people now, who've growing up in this last couple of years. And for them, life is very, very difficult and very, very different. And they reckon that every generation has like a shaping event that almost shapes that generation. So maybe for the boomers, if you're a boomer today, maybe it was events in the 60s, or maybe if you're Gen X uh, like me, you know, things, things like 9-11, you know, for millennials, or, or for me, stuff like that happened in, in South Africa in apartheid or, or, or the nuclear thing. And there's all these kind of shaping events that almost shape a generation. And I do think for many of our young people, COVID-19, the pandemic, will be something that shapes them. And we think about the negative side, but I'm hoping and praying that there'll be some positive stuff coming out of this uncertain season. And I think when you think about the world right now, I don't know you've heard of the thing called the Great Resignation. There are more CEOs who've resigned from Fortune 500 companies in the last year than in living history. And it's almost like there's a great movement of people. Things are fluid and things are uncertain as we head into a new year together. But I'm reading a book at the moment, a brilliant leadership book by a guy called Tim Elmore. And he says this in the book, an interruption can become an introduction to a new discovery. And I want to ask you a question. Do you know who this guy is? Anyone know who that guy is? It's actually not a picture of him, but that's the kind of who he's, who's meant to be, anyone? Anyone? Not Galileo. Isaac Newton. All right, that's a depiction of Isaac Newton. Okay, I don't know what you, whether you know what Isaac Newton was doing in 1665. I mean, surely you know that, don't you? 
All right. Well, actually, in 1665, Isaac Newton was 22 years old, and he was at Cambridge University, and he was sent home to study twice in those two years. Why? Because of the Great Plague of London. Never knew that. It's like, whoa, it's like COVID. And do you know what he did when he went home for that period of time? He watched Netflix, (laughs) built Lego and renovated his house. No, he didn't do that. Do you know what he did? In that two-year period, he had two stints where he was sent home from Cambridge University. And what he did was he looked at maths problems, studied prisms, and observed an apple tree outside his window. And out of that came his theories of calculus and the laws of motion and the laws of gravity. Wow, like an interruption can become an introduction to a brand new discovery. And as a church, we've discovered God has done some amazing things in and through this uncertain season. And I know for a certain fact, God is not put off or hassled or stressed or overwhelmed by COVID-19 or anything else. Isn't that right? Our God is a God the same yesterday, today and forever. And even in an uncertain world, you and I can know certainty. And you know, for those of us that claim to be Christians and followers of Jesus, and I'm aware today as I'm talking online and in the room and in our locations, there may be some of you that don't claim to be followers of Jesus. But listen, if you do, this has been an uncertain time for us as well. In fact, many people, uh, the great kind of resignation you know, of, of CEOs, that's also happened within the church context as well. There are more church leaders that have wanted to uh, quit their jobs in the last year or 18 months than at any other time in living memory. In fact, 24% of churches in the UK that used to have youth work no longer have youth work that used to have it before COVID-19. And many followers of Jesus over the last 20 months or so have just been so decoupled from their habits and rhythms that many have stopped following. Many have stopped following. And today I have a certainty for you. And this series is called Follow. And we're going to look in the next five weeks at this little two-word phrase that Jesus used time and time again, where he said, follow me. It's at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. It's going to appear so simple to many of you. But over the next five weeks, I believe God wants to take us deeper and deeper into what Jesus meant when he said that little two-word phrase, follow me. And every week I'm going to give you a certainty. And certainty number one this week is this. Every day is an invitation from Jesus to follow Him. So when you wake up every single day, whoever you are, wherever and whenever, whatever's going on in your world, however uncertain life is, maybe you're battling health issues right now. Maybe you're battling financial pressures or or health challenges or mental health issues or work scenarios or family frustrations. Certainty is this, that every day when you wake up, there's an invitation from Jesus that day to follow Him. And by following Him, you're following Him somewhere. You're going on a journey of discovery and adventure. You're following Him, not not from a distance, but into an intimate relationship with God. And we're going to look at that next week. But you're also following Him into a process of transformation. You see, here's the big news, guys. Religion says change, then follow. Jesus says follow, then change. And I was brought up in church where I didn't understand that. I I was brought up in church and I I give God thanks for my church background, absolutely. But I always thought that following Jesus was about how I behaved and what I believed. But actually Jesus turns that completely upside down, says it isn't about what you believe or how you behave. It's about the fact that you follow. Because as you follow, I'm going to do the changing. 
I'm going to work on the belief and you're going to work on the belief with me and I'm going to work on the behaviour in you. It isn't about change then follow, it's follow then change. And I want to issue a, a kind of a challenge to every single one of us at the start of the new year. Whether you set goals or resolutions or objectives, and I know many people don't set resolutions, but listen, if there's one thing that you and I could set this year, wouldn't it be an amazing thing to say, Jesus, this year, I am going to follow you. Amen? I am going to follow you in a world of uncertainty, which causes me to retract and retreat and go back into my shell. I am going to follow you wherever you go, because every day is an invitation to follow Jesus. And what I want to do this morning is I want to break it down as to who this invitation is for. And I'm hoping, praying and believing that there are some of you out there or here in the room and you say, that's me. Number one, this is an invitation for people who are not religious. So if you're not a Christian today and you're not into this church thing and you're not religious, this invitation is for you. Let's look at the Bible together. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, it says this, as Jesus went on from there, so this is when he's starting out in his ministry as a rabbi, as a teacher, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Now, just pause for a moment. Matthew is a Jew. He's working as a tax collector for the Romans. This is the lowest of the low, okay? In their culture, this is the lowest of the low that you could do. Because if you're working for the Romans, you're not only taking taxes from your fellow people, but you're corrupting your fellow people. You're extorting money from your people. And Jesus, you'd expect Jesus as a Jewish rabbi to say, Matthew, your mother, wouldn't she be so proud of you? I mean, look at this. You're the lowest of the low and yet doesn't say that. He says, follow me. And let's, let's push on. Uh, and then it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, so not only is he talking to this tax collector and inviting him to follow him, he's now in his house having dinner. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Isn't that interesting? It's almost like tax collectors and sinners. Like there's bad people and tax collectors, like they're even worse. There's a category all on their own, you know? And they're in his house. When the Pharisees, this is the religious people, saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, I want you guys to know this. Listen, this is really important. Our mission as a church, Life Central's mission, whether we're here in Halzo, in Hagley, Rowley, Microsites, anywhere, our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. That means we want to be where Jesus is, Right? Well, according to this, the religious people are not where Jesus is. They're outside the house. Jesus is in the house with all of these tax collectors and sinners. All the kind of people that religious people don't want to be near, that's exactly the kind of people where Jesus is eating. And I want you to know, guys, as Life Central Church, we passionately believe that Jesus came to seek and to save every single person on planet Earth, no matter what they believe, no matter their lifestyle, no matter how they live, no matter their sexuality, no matter their experiences, no matter their stories. And actually, we do not want to exclude anybody because Jesus didn't. And the reality is, if we start excluding people, we will end up on the outside watching in while Jesus is on the inside with the people he's came to save. 
And what's really interesting to me, really interesting, is that Jesus, it's almost like the people that were not like Jesus, liked Jesus. It's almost like Jesus never let his theology stand in the way of his ministry to people. He can, we can believe certain things are right. That does not mean that we, that we can, that, that means that we can also still believe those things and reach out and minister to people who don't believe the same thing that we believe, right? And so here's something really interesting. And, and when I saw this a few years ago, it completely revolutionised something for me. You don't even have to believe in Jesus to follow Jesus. <laughs> Heresy at the start of the year. Let, let, just hold with me. The first people that followed Jesus didn't believe in him. They just were attracted to him and they thought there's something in him and we'll follow him. And as they followed him, they began to believe. As they followed him, they began to behave. As they followed him, they began to change. And you want to know why you're not changing. Maybe it's because you're no longer following. Maybe it's because you stopped following along the way. But this is for people who are not religious. And it's so, so brilliant. You see, religion says change, then follow. Jesus says follow, then change. And that's so, so important. So point number two is this people, it's also an invitation for people who are not great at being religious. Anyone not great at being religious? All right, I'm not great at being religious. And basically, that means kind of keeping all the rules. Anyone great at keeping all the rules? Some, some of you are, but most of us aren't. Let's look at another story, Matthew chapter four. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Fishermen but also Jews, and that's really important, okay? Then he said to them, follow me. Here's that phrase again. And I will make you fishers of men. You see, don't like, you follow me, I will make you, all right? See, we tend to think, behave and then believe and then follow. But Jesus said, no, no, no. You follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, when you read that, it looks like there's no test involved. There's no exam involved. You just have to follow him. And I'm really glad about that because I hate exams. Anyone else hate exams or is it just me in the room? Okay, like, and, and I think when it comes to following Jesus and being a Christian or being a follower of Jesus, most of us tend to think that exams are going to be part of that. Like tests are going to be part of that. There's going to be some big tests and I'm going to have to answer the question correctly. Anyone remember that experience when you've been in an exam at school or college, uni, whatever, and you open the exam paper and you have that horrible feeling that all that you re revised is not in the paper. Anyone had that or is that just me? Or I, I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll revise some of it and it's bound to come up and it never did. And I remember in, in a geology exam, sitting in the exam, and, the and I was quite good at geology, I thought I was, and my teacher thought I was, and she looked at me and afterwards she said to me, what on earth were you doing? Like you weren't doing anything in that exam. And I said, I wasn't doing anything because I didn't know anything about any of those questions. And there's that sense in which that you just think, oh, I've revised this, but I've missed on this. Exams can be such a pressurised experience. And again, for our young people, so difficult in the last couple of years. But I want to just uh, lighten it up a little bit. And I love funny exam answers to questions, okay? So I want to just share a few with you this morning. I've shared some before. I love this one. Briefly explain what hard water is. Someone said this, ice. I mean, that's true, isn't it? I mean, hard water is ice. Love it. Number two, what happens during puberty to a boy? Many of us are asking that question. Here's a great answer. He says goodbye to his childhood and enters adultery. 
Hopefully he doesn't, but I think he means adulthood. Number three, I love this one, cause and effect. Okay, cause and effect. Cause, Tony practices the piano 20 minutes every day. Effect, he is a big nerd. <laughs> ben, our keyboard player, that is not a reference to you at all, all right? And, and I was terrible at maths, absolutely terrible at maths at Scott. And you know when you get that like maths problems where you've got numbers here and there's X and there's like a find X. Oh, what is X? Here's the answer. Here it is. Love that, love that. I wish I could have thought about that when I was at school. Here it is. Yeah, there's X. You want to find X? There it is. X, no problem. Love this one. Write an example of a risk. Someone says this, this. Whoa, that's bold, isn't it, eh? Example of a risk. And then the final one is this, love this one. Draw a picture of what you will be like in a hundred years. Warren has nailed it. R.I.P. Warren, in a hundred years. I'm so glad... I'm so glad that there aren't examinations and tests when it comes to following Jesus. But in the context of the New Testament, follow me was loaded. And it was loaded in the Jewish hearers' ears because of their understanding of a rabbi and a disciple. Now, a rabbi is a teacher and Jesus was a rabbi. And most rabbis began to teach at the age of 30, interestingly enough. Jesus began to teach at the age of 30. And what would happen is that the biggest desire in a Jewish man's, and unfortunately it was only men at the time in the context, in his mind or in his parents' mind was that this little lad would grow up to be a disciple of a rabbi. That's like the biggest thing. And a disciple of a rabbi didn't mean that the rabbi taught them and then they received information. To be a disciple of a rabbi means this. I am going to follow where the rabbi goes. I am going to know what the rabbi knows. I am going to do what the rabbi does. I am going to be just like the rabbi. And what would happen is that you would go into rabbi school, rabbinic school, okay? So a bunch of teenage lads, so imagine a bunch of teenage lads, and they're just looking out at life, but they would head in, actually not as teenagers, but as children at the age of six, and they would go into the first stage, which was called Bates Affair, and it lasted between the age of six and the age of ten. And in those years, six to ten, imagine your six to ten-year-olds, okay? What they'd have to do at the end of that, the rabbi would come back and he would test them. And they were tested in their memory of the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. So give them to me. First five books of the Old Testament, go. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We know the first five books. Listen, these six to 10-year-old kids didn't need to know the names of the five books. They needed to know every word in the five books. Rabbi comes back at the age of 10, sits them all down, test, test, test. To most of them, he says, done all right, boys, but you're not the best. Go back to your family business. But to the best, he says, now, I want you guys to go to stage two. And stage two of rabbi school is called Beit Talmud. And this is from the age of 10 to about the age of 14. And at the age of 14, Rabbi is coming back and he's not only testing you in the Torah and your memory of the Torah, but now your memory and your understanding of the whole of the Old Testament, the whole of the Jewish Scriptures, the age of 14. And then he's going to have this kind of thing. He's going to test them and he's going to say to some, hey, you've done all right, but you're not going to cut it as a disciple. So you need to go back to the family business. But to the best of the best, he's going to say, you've passed this test. You're going to go to stage three, which is called Beit Midrash. 
And now he's coming back in a little while and he's testing you not only on your memory and your understanding of the scriptures, but in your understanding of the yoke of the rabbi. A yoke of a rabbi is a set of teaching and an interpretation that each rabbi had. And he's going to sit all these guys down who are now teenagers and he's going to say to most of them, oh, you've come so far and you've done so well, but you're not going to cut it. You need to go back to your family business. But to the best of the best of the best, he's going to say these three words, come follow me. And the power of that is this that the rabbi is saying, I believe that you can be like me. You can not only know what I know, but you can go where I go, you can do what I do, and you can become like me. And now you need need to be covered in the dust of the rabbi as you set out to follow me. And so these Jewish guys, Peter and Matthew and, and all of these, they'd have been probably to rabbi school and maybe at the age of six or 10 or 14, they, they just didn't answer the questions right or, or the rabbi basically said, you've not got it. They went back to the family business. But Jesus comes along and without a test, he says, come, follow me. And immediately they don't just hear words, they hear belief. They hear somebody who believes in them. And someone who's not saying, hey, you change and then you can follow. You believe and then you can follow. But they see a rabbi who says, no, you follow and then you will be changed. You follow and then you will believe. You follow and then you will behave because I will do it in you. And the certainty of this is powerful. And if at the start of 2022, you look at your Christian life, Christian follower of Jesus, and you look back maybe over the last 20 months, you know, many Christians, I think, have stopped following Jesus over this last 20 months. I don't just mean stop going to church. I mean, we've got so decoupled from our habits and rhythms. We've almost become de-churched. And many of us have given up on fellowship. We've given up on relationship with God. We've given up on serving. We've given up on all those things which are hallmarks of what it means to be a disciple of the Rabbi Jesus. But Jesus says to you today, it's fine. Don't matter. You just need to follow me today. You're not religious? Follow me. You're not great at being religious? Follow me. All you need to do is follow me. And the question today at the start of 2022, folks, is not have you followed or are you a follower? The question is, are you following Jesus today? And it sounds so simple, but I think it's so profound and so life-changing. And the third category of people, I guess, is people who have stopped following or lost their way. And we read this story of of Peter uh, that that was called, you know, as a fisherman, and he followed Jesus. And for three years, he followed him. And he was, Peter was like the main man, wasn't he? The main follower to to Jesus and and came to believe. And Peter said, Jesus said, you've come to believe. And, And he came to all of this stuff and powerful things. And then at the end of the life of Jesus, when Jesus was crucified, Peter denies him three times and he sees him crucified and buried and dead. And and he goes back to the family business of fishing. And in the end of John's gospel, it says that the resurrected Jesus, the risen, the living hope, Jesus comes to Peter again and and he cooks him breakfast. And they have this little really, really psychologically in-depth communication because he he says, asks him three questions which mirror the three denials. And and there's the cooking of fish on a a fire which mirrors the fire that that was on the night, all that stuff. And at the end of it, he said, hey, do you love me? Three times. And Peter says, you know I love you. And then Jesus says something so profound. 
And for Peter, incredibly emotional. He says these words in John 21. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. So he talks about, hey, Peter, if you follow me again, this is what's going to happen. And then we'll look at this later on. But then he said to him, follow me. It's like back to the beginning. It's like you stopped following me. You know, you, you, like you stopped, you quit, you were hurt, you were disappointed. I think many Christians are disappointed right now. I think many Christians have become cynical. Many followers of Jesus have become hurt and uncertain and fearful. And we've allowed what's happened around us and to us the last 20 months or so to cause us to retreat. And Jesus doesn't come with any accusation, with any rebuke. He just comes with an invitation to follow him. So he says, hey, so, so, so you've stopped following me, have you? Okay, well, follow me again. That's it. You don't have to sit another test. You don't have to sit another exam. You know, you don't have to go through like seven labours of Hercules. Do you know what I mean? You just follow me. And then, and then if you read the, the story in John 21, they, they begin to walk off into the sunset. I can almost imagine the keyboards coming in the pads behind because it has to happen for God to move. Do you know what I mean? And that happens and the white doves have flown. And then all of a sudden, Peter stops and says, hang on a minute. You just told me which way I'm going to die. And he says, what about him? You know, what, what, what about him? What, what, what about John? Because you see, John gets to spend the rest of his life on a Mediterranean island called, okay, Patmos. And, and Peter said, well, you want me to follow you, but, but what about him? What are you doing with him? What are you doing in his life? And Jesus says this incredible words. Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? In other words, none of your business. You must follow me. Listen, online, in the room, Jesus comes to every single person every single day with a certainty. Every single day is an invitation for you and me to follow him. We can't spend our time pointing at other people when Jesus is asking us, are we following him? Don't say, what about my husband? My husband's not following you right now, so I can't follow you. Really? Listen, your husband it, that, that's down, your husband is down to your husband and Jesus. Your followership is down to you and Jesus. You must follow me. And you know, Paul writes, Paul, who's another follower of Jesus later on in the story, he writes to a group of people in Galatia, in the Galatians, and he says, he says to them, he says, you are running a good race, you are following. Who cut in on you? In other words, who stopped you following? And I wonder for us, guys, at the start of 2022, if we really think about our fellowship, okay, how we're following him, is he at a distance? Is it like, oh yeah, I'm a follower because I've ticked that box or are we following him close? In other words, are we going where he's going? Are we becoming who he is? Are we doing what he would do? You know, are we saying what he would say on social media? You know, are we responding to people in the way that Jesus would respond to people? Are we mirroring him? Are we following him? Or is he somewhere and we're somewhere else? And maybe something or someone cut in on you and you're no longer following him. Maybe we've stopped responding to the Spirit. Maybe we've stopped caring or giving or serving. Alison and I talked a little bit even this week about, about money and, and stuff and we're we're doing something in our house and we're like, oh, we need to, oh, we could sell that. We could sell that. And there's nothing wrong with that if you do that, okay? And then we say, oh, stop, hang on, hang on a minute. We were given some of this stuff and we're not going to sell it. We're going to find someone and we're going to bless them with it, even though we need the money because we don't want to get into a not following 
rhythm, okay? We want to be following. What would Jesus want to do with the stuff that we've been given? We want to pass it on because we want to keep following. And there's all these practical things. Have I stopped following? Or maybe you've allowed worry and fear to cause you to stop following him with faith and with openness. I want to give you three practical challenges. This today is very much an introduction. We're going to dive deep into what it means to follow the rabbi next week. But I want to give you three practical challenges at the start of this year. Number one, give Jesus your focus. The start of 2022, give Jesus your focus. You know, the certainty every single day is Jesus. It's all about Him, isn't it? You can wake up every single day and think, I don't know what's going on today. I don't know what my health's going to be like. I don't know what's going to happen at work. I don't know what's going to happen at school or college or uni. I don't know what's happening with COVID or restrictions. That, that's all there. But every single day, there's a certainty that Jesus is there. Give Him your focus. You can't follow someone if you're not looking at them, if you're not surrendered to them. That's why we've been saying all the way through this season, start the day with Jesus. And you say, I'm not a morning person. Don't matter. You're waking up in the morning. So you better learn just to start the day with Jesus. Give Him your focus. Even if it's five minutes on you version with the Word of the day, watching the video, reading the prayer, reading a bit of Scripture, it's five minutes. Not even that. But you're just starting the day giving Him your focus. But don't just give Him your focus. Secondly, give Him your freedom. And that's hard for us to hear because we're all about our freedom, aren't we? And we're all about our rights. But I think a follower of Jesus is someone that says, hey, not my will be done, but yours be done. I want to surrender myself to you today. So at the start of every day, to, to follow Him, we give Him our focus and then we give Him our freedom and we say, Jesus, today I surrender to You. I want to surrender to You. You see, you're all going to submit to lots of things. I read this recently. If you're going to submit to anything this year, submit to God. Many of us have submitted to, to greed and, to, and to, to fear and to anxiety. We've submitted to, to self-interest. And if you're going to submit to anything this year, let's submit to God. Let's give Him our freedom. Let's say, God, you're, the, I, the freedom I've got is a gift from You, but I choose to give this back to You because I want to follow You. It's no longer me. I'm no longer mine, but I'm Yours. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You know, Jesus had this incredible interaction in Mark 10 with a guy that, that the Bible says, only says three things about this, but this guy. And, and I mean, this, this guy got everything according to the world. He was rich, young, and powerful. I mean, isn't that what everybody wants? Rich, young, and powerful. And, uh, and he's got everything, but, but he wants to follow Jesus. And he comes to Jesus one day and he says, hey, what, what, what do I have to do to kind of follow you and to, and to have the life and, and to be like you? That's really what he's saying. What do I have to do to, to be like you and to have this eternal life? And Jesus looks at him and he says, sell everything you've got and then follow me. And so, well, hang on a minute. I thought there was no test. You're saying I've got to sell everything. No, no, no. That's the only person Jesus ever said that to. He called lots of rich people to follow Him. He never told them to sell everything. He only did it to Him. Why? Because He knew that this guy's arms were full with the stuff of the world. And if your arms are full of anything, they can't follow Jesus. And so He's saying, so whatever your arms are full of, let that go and follow Him. Jesus, no matter what happens, 
whether I get the partner I'm looking for or not, whether I get the job I want or not, whether I get the report from the doctor I want or not, I'm going to follow you. We have a choice at the start of 2022. And then finally, we give Jesus our fellowship. We just take a step. And I don't know what it is for you today to take a step. Maybe for some of you watching or here in the room, the step for you is this. You're not a follower of Jesus. You don't believe in Jesus. You've never really checked it out. We would love, we would love to give you an opportunity, which is why Alpha is so important, which is why we were starting it tomorrow night on the 10th, but now we've moved to the 31st because we wanna give a few more weeks for people to join that journey. And here's how you can do it. You can just go on the website and sign up or you can take your phone out and you can text LCC Alpha, your name to 60777. So if it was me, I'd go LCC Alpha, Leon Evans, 60777, press send and then we'll be in touch. We really want this one to be in person. But if you're watching from a distance and you wanna do it online, sign up as well and we'll find a way to make that happen. That may be your step this year. But if you are already a Jesus follower, maybe the step is this. Hey, I am a Jesus follower, but I'm not following. I am a Jesus follower, but I'm not following. I am a Jesus follower, but I need to follow. So I wanna invite you in the room just to stand with me for a moment. And we're gonna respond by worshipping, by giving the rest of this time to allowing His Spirit to come and to fill us, not only here in the room, but you in Hagley as well. Some of you guys in Hagley, you know, maybe you're there for the first time in a long time, or maybe you're brand new, maybe in Rowley and I'm looking straight at you right now. And maybe you're saying, hey, I, I've followed Jesus for years and years and years. That's not the question. The question is, are you following Him today? Because every day is an invitation from Jesus to follow Him. So what I wanna encourage you to do in the room is I want, if you wanna respond to Him, just to hold your hands out right now, just as a sign of saying, Jesus, I wanna give you this day my focus. I wanna give you this day my freedom that you've given me as a gift. I surrender that to you and I wanna give you my fellowship. I want to follow you wherever you go this year. Jesus, I wanna go. I wanna do what you do. I wanna go where you go. I wanna know what you know, but ultimately I wanna be who you are. I wanna be like you. So Jesus, we surrender ourselves today to you. You are our living hope. You have died you have risen again. And every single day you invite us into a relationship with you, a follow relationship. And so God, we will follow you today. Lord, for those of us that know that we've stopped following, our fellowship has grown a bit cold and a bit hard. We renew and restore that again today. And we ask you to lead us. And so now Lord, as we worship you, as we sing this incredible hymn, which reminds us about who You are and what You've done. We give ourselves to You. God, I pray that in this place and online, hands will be raised high in surrender to You. And maybe, maybe there's even someone who's never done that, that maybe for the first time today would say yes and follow You. Jesus, we believe in You. Thank You even more than that, that You also believe in us. And so we choose today to follow You in Jesus' Name. Amen.